You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. For the first time in 336 days, we bring you a post-game podcast covering a Penn State win. We're happy to do that. It's Tyler Donahue, Sean Fitz. Hope everyone enjoyed their Thanksgiving emerged from a bit of a food coma to cover this one today. Uh, I am on a remote location in New England right now, so uh, if, if I'm coming to you a little bit differently from a different speaker, that explains that. Sean in home base in State College, Mark Brennan uh, out on the road for us at Michigan collaboratively. We had all the coverage for you up on Lines 24-7, and as always, we break things down here on the podcast afterward. Sean, it, it, it's it's kind of remarkable of, of all wins to go and get it's the first win that James Franklin has gone and and gotten in Ann Arbor with the Penn State Nittany Lions and yet a lot of people are going to sneeze at this one and say oh you beat a bad Michigan team they beat a team today they have a win let's ignore the loss column for, mo- for the moment and, and just realize that Penn State put one in that win column and and boy did they need one Michael Mennett starting center two-time team captain year five with Penn State Went so far as to call this a top five win for Penn State in his career, considering the circumstances that have led up to it. First of all, I'm most impressed by you uh, going with the um, I'm in New England on holiday type thing when you just are camped out at the in-laws house. So kudos to you for that. But I mean, just everybody feels better. You know, it's kind of that that weight off your chest. It's that, you know, Michael Mennett said top five win. Uh, you know, we can, you know, obviously not discuss this for where he's been, you know, all over his career. Um, but man, it's just, it, it feels so much better for everybody. I'm sure our listens will be up because, you know, anytime you win, uh, you know, we, we've got a lot of stuff to complain about for this season and that's not getting, you know, that's put in one pile. Then you've got Michigan. They're terrible. I mean, let's be honest, that's in another pile, but we're not going to harp on that because, a win is big for everybody. A win is big, you know, for you and I to talk about this stuff. We kind of get repetitive sometimes when we go back into what we've covered over the last several weeks. It's big for James Franklin. You saw that in the, pre- the post game press conference. Very, I mean, in the sense of relief, let's be honest here. And, and he should be relieved to get on the board, a 27 17 win. Um, but it's just good for everybody for a win coming off Thanksgiving. And I know this is not the season anybody envisioned, but to go out to Michigan, it, it's so funny because you, you talk about about these hypotheticals and you say, okay, well, if Penn State has a bad year, but they beat Ohio State or they beat Michigan or whatever, and that's that's one thing and none of them ever really come to fruition. This one kind of came together and it always feels good for Penn State to beat Michigan if you're a Penn State fan. It always feels good um, to get on the road and to, to win a big game like this. And even if it's not how you drew it up, everybody's got to feel good about this. Going into October and into late October, this was really viewed as the the game that, you know, are you going 7-2? and two? Are you going 8-1 and one for this team? And this was kind of that game where you said it could define where they're at at the end of the year. Did not work out that way. Uh, we, we all know the story. You've heard the last five post-game podcasts and, and, and things have gone in a, in a different direction. But, you know, you are playing against a, a program that you are competing against for recruits. Let's always remember recruiting is in the backdrop of when we examine program trajectory and where it's going and which direction um, you're measuring that up against Michigan on some cases because you are dealing with with a collection of recruits from a region and and and, and at a national level as well. And um, I I don't know what this means for the Wolverines there in Ann Arbor. Very frustrated fan base. I think folks who listen to Zach Shaw uh, on our on our pregame podcast going into this matchup 
know full well that there were some parallels to draw. The one big difference was that Harbaugh is going up to his last year in his contract next year. James Franklin just got underway with a new contract. Uh, James Franklin has a little bit more goodwill stashed over recent years with the 11-win campaigns. Michigan seemed to plateau a few years ago and has not been able to turn the corner. Uh, this is this is a dagger, uh, and, and but to me, the story is going to nationally be Mich- uh, Michigan losing a game that a lot of people thought they would win. People thought maybe a rally was going to come. Here locally, it was the tone of the voice from the players that we heard after the game. It was the tone of the voice, the energy uh, that was coming from James Franklin. There was a sense of optimism that really, going back to Halloween, it's been non-existent on a lot of these conference calls and a lot of these post-game calls. And um, the line of questioning is quite a bit different after wins. I kind of forgot about that. Um, but it, it, you just you just hear whether it's P.J. Mustafer, Michael Mennett, Sean Clifford, who we'll get to in a moment, uh, there has been a, a weight lifted off their shoulders. I don't think anyone is going to be proud of being 1-5, but as they would say, they're proud of being 1-0 this week, and, and they haven't gotten to that point in a very long time. Well, I think the, I think you nailed it because the story coming out of this game wasn't going to be who won the game. It was going to be who lost and, and what the, you know, what the tailspin looks like on the other side of that. And of course, Michigan's still above Penn State in the standings. They have those two wins, but at the same time, uh, you just looked out there, you know, that's on, that's on Michigan's home field. That's, uh, you know, a game that they were favored. Uh, saw some late money coming in on Penn State, but at the same time, uh, to go out there and to win by 10, I mean, against a brand like Michigan and, and, you know, Penn State and Michigan are not very good this year. That's you know pretty obvious from watching the the game and watching the entire season. But going out there, it's still a win over a, a, a hugely branded team like Michigan. So I think that avoiding the avoiding the loss is you know perhaps as important or if not more important than getting the win today because there's going to be a lot of uh, stones thrown toward Jim Harbaugh and that program right now and. Certainly, that's not something that James Franklin wanted to see coming his way. Like we mentioned, uh, a lot of relief in that locker room. Uh, it's overdue. I mean, let's be honest with you. And, and as we said, we're not going to harp on how bad Michigan was because Michigan, you know, obviously couldn't get out of their way at times today. But it's, at the end of the day, when you've got that win in the in the win column, I mean that that's that that's so much more, um, you know, than, than what you could have, you know, going into Rutgers next week and you, you, you see how hard Rutgers has played and you were sort of struggling to wrap your mind around, okay, is Penn state going to go into Rutgers as a, as an underdog or as a, as a game that they should lose. So now you sort of get off the schneid, you get this one off the, off your plate. And all of a sudden, um, not that that it's going to make the season any better or completely better or heal any wounds or anything like that. Because you still got a lot of work to do, un- undoubtedly, but still, just getting getting in that direction and not being the loser in this game is is the biggest win. They, you know, they didn't have their normal Thanksgiving week set up, which can be said for teams across the country. Um, they didn't see their parents. They they go on a Friday. They don't have their Wi Fi working right at the team hotel, from what we understand. These are all the kind of things that that you think we're going to learn about after the game, and then talk about contributing toward another letdown <clears throat> performance. But Sean. Uh, they led 33 minutes of this game. The final 33 minutes, I should say. They led for more than that, but they took that lead when Sean Clifford ran for a touchdown, 28-yard touchdown, I believe that was, uh, in the second quarter, 14-7 advantage. Um, a stat that you were double-checking in on, and, and I ended up kind of swooping in and taking from you on Twitter. The first Jinx, time <laughs> jinx, I, I jinxed you, or I jinxed, I jinxed Penn State by that. Uh, if you can, you can tell the people that. Well, it it was the first time they had reached double digits. Of course, there was a missed field goal in between that. And Jordan Stout had a not so very bad day. Uh, we'll talk about that too a little bit later when we look at some 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 issues that surfaced here. 
but but you know, fourteen to seven at that point, and and you just kind of don't have any benefit of the doubt that the Nindy Lions are going to make it easy on themselves. And it's not like they surged and put a lot of cushion between them and and Michigan. But they came up with answers. They had long draw, uh, drives when they needed to produce them. They had some key stops when they needed it. Now, Michigan was down their quarterback who they felt like gave them a spark in Cade McNamara last week, got hurt early in the game, went back to the locker room, checked back in. But you could see it over the course of, of, of his return. Just didn't have it. Uh, he was kind of dragging his, his shoulder around. And, and you put in Joe Milton, and you're kind of reminded of why Joe Milton was drawn to the sidelines in the first place last week. So, Quarterback situation there uh, leaves a lot to be desired. That's a, a big problem for Jim Harbaugh. But going back to the guy who gave Penn State that lead in the second quarter, Sean Clifford, he was the guy that that brought the first team offense onto the field. We anticipated that would probably be the case when, when Will Levis had the short leash against Iowa. Lean toward Clifford over the course of this week. That wasn't a surprise. What was a surprise was he got to the finish line, and I was afraid I was going to jinx him because I referenced this in the third quarter. He got through all four quarters with a zero in the turnover column. And if anything felt like it was going to uh, tip the scales one way or another, you were just waiting for a Sean Clifford turnover in the fourth quarter to swing momentum towards Michigan. He avoided that. We're going to talk about how some freshmen helped him do that. The ground game helped him do that. But you got to give credit to Sean Clifford. This is a kid that we have spent a lot of time on these postgame podcasts speaking of in a very different light. The numbers weren't gaudy today, but the zero is huge. Yeah, and that's something that that you can acknowledge on both ends is because, you know, they Penn State still has issues at quarterback. I mean, we, we've seen the entire season. We've seen the turnovers. That's not going to change in one week. But for him to go out there, turn it around, I think he deserves a, a ton of credit. And, and we've been very hard on Clifford throughout the season. And, you know, I, I think a lot of that deservedly so. But at the same time, he turned around. He had his most efficient day, 17 to 28, 163 yards. They didn't ask him to do too much, which is interesting because typically we see Penn State and everybody honestly tried to go down to the field, go down the field on Michigan. Don Brown likes to play that man on the outside. You're trying to, uh, you know, force pass interference calls, things like that. He got it done in a different way. He went to Parker Washington 11 times. Washington caught nine of those balls. Um, went to Jahan Dotson quite a bit. Uh, you know, wasn't as efficient in that manner. Nine targets, three catches for 30 yards. But Jahan Dotson made some some big time catches for them. And also Isaac Lutz. You can't you can't uh, go without speaking about Isaac Lutz. Three catches for 30 yards. Obviously, not how anybody drew it up, and including him. He was incredibly uh, uh, uncomfortable in the post game. He's not used to having <laughs> cameras in his face and things like that. He ended uh, when he was done. He, he let out a big thank God and and got on the road. And I can see why. I mean, he's obviously you know that's not the story that he's been he's been written into. Uh, but no, I, I think the biggest thing you got to give credit to Clifford. Uh, you got and you can also do that by acknowledging acknowledging that they still have issues at quarterback, and that's something that will have to be addressed at the end. But he went out there, did what he had to do to win you that game, and that's a, that's a big win for them. Now, the, the big story to me here, and you wrote a story on this yesterday. You said Penn State could start five freshmen. You were right for the most part. Uh, Penn State did start five freshmen. It wasn't the five that we had mapped out uh, because they started a two tight end set. But Parker Washington, Kevon Lee, Caden Wallace, Theo Johnson, Brenton Strange all started on the offensive side of the ball. Joey Porter started on the defensive side of the ball as well. So you're seeing some sort of youth movement come through, and it, and it started with with some of those skill players. You'd love for this youth movement to be like the shot in the arm that that pushes you to another level for a postseason push here at this stage of the season. It's not that. It's more so, hey, this is what the near future is going to look like. Here's what Penn State's success is going to need to look like 
with these players on the field. Devin Ford, we knew that injuries were going to be an issue for, for him coming into the game. We didn't know what the injury was specifically, but he was pulled out early against Iowa, did not return in that matchup. It was a disaster for this team on the ground against the Hawkeyes last Saturday. Turns out, however, Devin Ford wasn't even with the program. I don't know if he would have been available medically or not, but a death in the family, we, we uh, you know, heart goes out to Devin Ford for that. But he wasn't with the program. That meant you're down to your fourth string and fifth string options when we had this thing charted out. Remember when we thought we had this thing charted out back in mid-October and we thought we know how the season would go? These were your fourth and fifth string running backs in Kevon Lee and Kaziah Holmes. And Kevon Lee set the tone early, three consecutive game now in, in which he has scored a touchdown. But the rest of the way, he proved to be a player who could keep the chains moving, uh, keep Michigan defenders flailing. Most importantly, as we got into the fourth quarter, a situation that Penn State hadn't really faced at any point this year uh, where you, you wanted to have that five, six-minute long drive, and, and he was able to deliver 134 yards on the ground for this young man on 22 touches. He liked that average. He liked the way he runs. And, and James Franklin said it himself, look, they have high hopes for these kids coming in as prospects. But he wasn't going to sit there and say they thought they'd get it this season. And Jaywan Slater, a couple weeks ago when we had him, he said unless it was going to be blowout city or some freak things happen ahead of these guys, they weren't supposed to be in this spot. Some freak things happened, Sean, and Kevon Lee maximized his moment today. I thought he looked good. I mean, you, you look at what he did, 22 carries, 134 yards and a touchdown, um, and really grinded grinded a bunch of that out. And and really, Penn State's running game looked as efficient as it's been all season. Uh, right around the numbers, by the way, right around the numbers that they finished with against Indiana, against Nebraska, two other games that they had that kind of output in the, on the ground. But more from the running backs this week. Lee did a good job. I, I thought Kaziah Holmes did a good job as well. He didn't have the numbers, but he was solid. He got you some yards you probably didn't expect from him. You know, adds a little bit as a receiver as well. Um, but Kevon Lee, really the story of this game, just uh, kept giving him the ball. Um, you know, he did have the offside. He jumped offsides at one point, but you know, gee, that's kind of uh, negated by the fact that. You know, he, he had a heck of a day carrying the football. Um, you, you asked him to finish and you don't typically ask that of a true freshman. And he was able to come through and do that and held onto the football as well, which, you know, that's got to be the, the theme of this game for, for everybody is no turnovers, uh, just incredible turnaround from what we've seen the last couple of weeks. And and negated on on that play was a Will Levis uh, moment uh, on that fourth and one that ended up resulting in a, a missed Jordan Stout field goal, badly missed Jordan Stout field goal from 49 yards out. Um, that was the fourth and one that Lee jumped off sides, but Will Levis will get his opportunities later. Uh, it converted a short yardage touchdown run. Uh, it converted, depending on your angle that you saw on your camera on, on, on TV, he converted a really important uh, first down uh, against Michigan late in the game that really sealed the deal. I was surprised that that one wasn't reviewed, but uh, he, you know, he got it done. He got involved a little bit. Uh, Sean Clifford was the guy, but uh, Will Levis finished with 25 rushing yards. He had he had a couple important ones along the way. Uh, and, and then also, I, I would say, Parker Washington, this is a kid who very quickly has has become uh, the number two guy. And, and he appears capable, when called upon, to step up and be that 1A, 1B with Jahan Dotson because of the attention that Jahan Dotson is now warranting from opposing defensive game plans. It was a lot of Washington early on. I think he was up to eight, nine targets in the second quarter, Sean. Ends up with nine catches for 93 yards. I think you referenced that statistic already. But Dotson still still found his moments. Three catches, 30 yards, doesn't jump off the page like some of the other stat lines of late. But a couple really important third down conversions 
Clifford to Dotson, and that's how you kind of draw it up if you're Kirk Shiraka. Move the sticks. I mean, got them going, especially in the first drive. Had that big catch and run. Um, so he, pretty much everything that you asked of him. I think Penn State was shying away from Dax Hill, the uh, outstanding safety for Michigan. And Dax had a, a really good pass breakup on Washington in the red zone later in the game. Um, but I, I think that you know you you couldn't have asked for much more out of that uh, out of that group right there. Um, you know, Brenton Strange, Theo Johnson, those guys, they're not going to show up on the stat, stat sheet. And I'm, you know, encouraged to go back and check out this film and see how they looked in the run game because they were certainly a big part of that. And, uh, you know, your boy, uh, Caden Wallace was certainly in there a bunch. Uh, so just really just looking all over the place. Uh, it, it, I think that's probably the, the page that you wanted to turn if you're a Penn State fan going into, uh, the next uh, phase of the season or whatever it is. I mean, obviously you're not going to win a Big Ten title. You're not going to get you know, anywhere near where you thought you would be. But at the same time, you set up your younger players to succeed. You get them a little bit of taste of success, and then you can just continue to stumble over yourself as I've done in the last two sentences. But then you continue to get where you need to be uh, entering the offseason, you know, maybe get a ramp of momentum going in that direction. Watching in live time, I, I felt like Brenton Strange and Theo Johnson were both assets to the ground game. I thought Theo Johnson um, really just the physicality there for him for for a guy who is, he looks the part, but he's also playing like he's that physical guy. There's a lot of times you see a freshman or even a redshirt freshman out there. Sometimes you see it all the way to a guy's senior year. He looks like he should be really physical and just doesn't translate into whether it's a mental thing or just an execution thing. I love what we see early from Theo Johnson and really his second game where he's been able to get out there and see some expanded opportunities. You mentioned he got the start. Keandre Lambert-Smith did not get the start. They went with a two-tight end set to begin the game. Also getting their first start on the other side of the ball was Marquise Wilson as a sophomore. Uh, and Sean, going through this kind of, uh, as you said, youth movement, continuing to feel better and better about what Penn State has brewing on the right side of that line. It felt like it was an area they were able to lean on uh, in key moments today. Uh, Caden Wallace is at right tackle there. We talked to him this week. The confidence is building. That's from Trout Ryan. That's from internally how he's seeing the game now. Um, I, I think they found a kid there. Um, he, he said that he could play guard down the road. But when you tie in him and then the tight ends and then Parker Washington and Kevon Lee, um, you know, I, I, this isn't how anybody drew it up this year. You could see maybe Caden Wallace making an emergence, even if this team was playing really well. Maybe Brenton Strange or, or Theo Johnson proving to be a valuable asset behind Friermuth. Um, but even as much hype as we gave Parker Washington, did you expect him to become this consistently productive, this reliable at this stage of his career? Because I'm looking at K.J. Hamler's numbers from his redshirt freshman year, his second year on campus. He had 42 catches, 754 yards, five touchdowns. Um, some quick math has me. It, it, Parker's over 30 catches already. Um, he's he's over 400 rece- receiving yards. He's at three touchdowns. Those numbers are going to end up being kind of similar. Maybe Parker gets him in a few categories. Hamler had a full season, and I just remember how much excitement there was about KJ as a redshirt freshman. You got losses. You got a lot of losses stacked up. You got Jahan Dotson doing his thing. I still think somehow maybe Parker Washington isn't getting enough attention here for what he's accomplished as a true freshman. 
Yeah, I think I think there's merit to that, and I think uh, you know you got to be encouraged by what you you've seen from him because he's not going to be the guy. And they've gone to him down the field at times. You know, went to him I think twice down the field today. Um, but is is not going to be the guy that takes the lid off of the defense. But you know, you need those other guys around there. Washington has showed good hands. He's shown good open field, uh, you know, movement from from you know he's he's playing like a guy that you wouldn't think is a true freshman and 30 catches for 349 yards and three touchdowns so far. I think that's probably Probably exceeded what I expected from him. I mean, obviously the the hopes were high, but really when you get into the game, you're not expecting him to have. And he's averaging five catches a game. You're not really expecting that. Keandre Lambert Smith is a guy that's got seven catches for 78 yards. So you know, I think if you combine their stats, it's probably around what you expect. But it, it's certainly more weighted to Parker Washington, and and I can see why. I mean, he's just uh, he's playing like a pro, and that's really the the the. Uh, uh, the the resume that he came in with the the you know when we were scouting him and we were talking about what he was expecting to do and talking with him about what he was expecting to do that's kind of what he came in to to do so kudos to him he's done a good, really good job and you know let's not act like the these receiving this receiving group is anything uh, close to a finished product but uh, when you've got guys like Dotson making the catches he made today Parker Washington being reliable you don't have Pat Fryermuth um, Lambert Smith could you know could get a little bit more involved and you'd like to see some other guys get involved. Lutz got involved today. Um, but at the same time, you you like the production you've gotten at the top of that list from Dotson and, and Washington. Um, on the other side of the ball on the perimeter, cornerback is a spot where you continue to be missing out on Tariq Castro Fields. Third consecutive week, he was a participant for, for much of the pregame warmup and then ultimately doesn't end up getting the green light to play ball. We're, we're not sure what the deal is, and you hate to see a player uh, trying to improve his draft stock and not getting the opportunity to get out there and make plays. Uh, Castro Fields making these trips, not getting in the game. This time around, it was Marquise Wilson. Uh, they went really shallow at cornerback today. Sean, Joey Porter Jr., as you mentioned, one of those freshman starters as he's remained in that first-team spot. And then another defender I wanted to mention who who continues to show up and, and demand, demand increased respect in the trenches is Akeem Beeman. There was excitement about this kid in preseason. Uh, there was even more of it when we spoke with defensive line coach John Scott Jr. Um, a, a few weeks ago. And you see week in, week out, this kid looks like uh, the makings of, of a starter uh, and, and a guy who's going to be a really important component of what Penn State wants to accomplish up front defensively moving forward. Yeah, he's flashing. And and obviously, I think they're going to need him over the next couple of years to be more of a playmaker than, than what you're getting right now. Michigan came out and attacked Penn State. The middle of Penn State's defense had a lot of success with that early, which is is definitely the way to go. But Beeman got in there and on some plays. He's not big on the stat sheet, but he got in there on some plays. I think you're going to see you know more of that working in there to try and get, uh, I, I guess, Try and figure out what what you've got in some of those guys. We saw it with Lance Dixon today. Uh, quite a series for him, where you know he looked kind of lost for the first couple of plays, and then came in with a big tackle for loss and a really nice play on third down. So I think that's what you're going to get with some of these guys. Um, the, you know, the, the young corners, as you mentioned, were you know pr- pretty good. Marquise Wilson obviously could could work on his tackling a little bit. You'll have that uh, as a, as a sophomore cornerback. Daquan Hardy forced a fumble at the you know in the, in the fourth quarter. He got. You know, I, I, I struggle to say beat by A.J. Henning because A.J., it, it, that catch was ridiculous up over top of Hardy, uh, but seems to be in the right spots. And that's really what you, what you want to ask of a redshirt freshman right there. So on both sides of the ball, you know, there's some there's certainly some promise there. And, and, and given what we've seen for a one in five football team, you'll you'll certainly take that moving into the offseason. Penn State took some counter punches today. They responded. 
Uh, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about some issues that did pop up for the Nittany Lions today. It was not a perfect performance, but again, it was enough to get win number one of the 2020 season. We'll also give uh, uh, some more props to those who stepped up to help deliver this win uh, for Penn State and some final takeaways as we move into another Big Ten game week up ahead. Stay with us in the Lions 24-7 podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. More on this Penn State victory over Michigan. It was 27-17 to in a very empty big house in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, this one leaves uh, some different tastes in the mouth of uh, Michigan fans and Penn State fans. It's been a bit of a spoiled dinner uh, for them across the board here in 2020. But uh, Penn State coming away with it, this with some optimism. Michigan moving forward, wondering uh, are they going to watch Jim Harbaugh coach their Detroit Lions? And that's going to be an interesting thing to watch if that were to take place. But the conversation you can hear today, we're not used to watching it on TV, Sean. And the conversation repeatedly, what Mike Golick Jr. talking about NFL teams are going to talk to Harbaugh. Has it run its course in Michigan? And I felt like what, when it kept going back to Penn State or, or, or really what Michigan was even doing, you heard these teams are staying basic. They're not trying to do too much. They're playing within themselves. And before we get to some of the bad stuff, I want to reiterate that it really felt like that was uh, the plan uh, for Penn State. It felt like Sean Clifford's misses, they were they were going out of bounds. They weren't across the middle. They, they were uh, much better decision-making from Clifford in terms of knowing when to get rid of the ball out of the pocket. He had, he had one, I know for sure, that was a self-inflicted sack that it felt like uh, he brought that upon himself, but I thought overall there was just more of an urgency to get the ball out of the pocket, um, whether it resulted in an incomplete pass along the sideline, that's one thing, and, and when it happens in the end zone, that's a frustrating thing, uh, but to me, it just felt like there was a, a more cohesive effort, it's easy to say when, when you don't see four turnovers in a game, but you know, before we jump into some of the bad stuff, it was just refreshing to watch the Nittany Lions be caretakers of the football, especially with Sean Clifford. And you look at the first five weeks of the season, I think we've kind of echoed this throughout. The less you ask this team to think, the better they're going to play. And that's offensively, defensively, goes back to the quarterbacks as well. You know, the less that you're putting in that in that position to do, um, you know, the thinking on their own, the, you know, the better results that you've had. And I think you saw that with Clifford, uh, you know, his best performance of the year, did some things as a scrambler, just kind of asked him to go out there, schoolyard a couple of times, had a really nice uh, completion. I think that was to Parker Washington for a big pickup on a third down on a scramble. So, I mean, you, the, the less, and, and I hate to oversimplify it or anything like that, but the less you ask this team to think on both sides of the ball, 
the more reactions you get, the, 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 I guess the more, it looks like the more buy-in that you've get, because this is a team that really hasn't looked like, you know, and I know James has said they haven't quit and they've played hard and everything like that. This isn't a team that looks like it has played with a ton of passion today. It seemed to, to get going. And if you get a little confidence, you're going in that, you get going in that direction, then you can make a world of difference. And I think we saw that today. I still don't think it's a particularly good football team by any stretch of the imagination, but still, I mean, you're going to take the, the, the few wins that you can get and go with that moving forward. And I think that's what we saw today on both sides of the ball. So, yeah, as we said, not a perfect performance, uh, not going to come easily for Penn State. There were some uh, some icky moments for Penn State, as you wrote down here in the rundown, spiking the ball with 30 seconds to go at Michigan's five on a first down with a timeout in your back pocket. That was one that, you know, people were feeling pretty good about Penn State. They're marching down there. They're up by seven, looking to extend the lead. And then that happens, and all of a sudden, uh, at, uh, Twitter is up in arms again about the, the coaching staff. And you could understand this one. It was one right away where you're saying, man, is that the right call? Is that, is that the right move? Spiking the football, it leads to two incomplete passes, and then you've got to send Jake Pinniger out there for a field goal. Again, first and goal from the five-yard line. Uh, with that timeout in your back pocket, which, by the way, was still in James Franklin's back pocket as they went into the locker room. I just got done explaining the second timeout where they would have been flagged for an illegal formation. So it's actually a good use of a timeout. And I turn around and they spike the ball. Actually, our old friend Andrew Callahan texted me. I'm obviously streaming, so I'm on a little bit of a delay. And he spiked the ball. And I'm just like, are you are you kidding me as I'm, as I'm watching it on the screen? Um, but no, I don't have an answer for that. When you left points out there before the half and, you know, honestly, when we look at this football team and what they've done this season, leaving points out there has not been the, uh, has not been the equation for them. And that's uh, certainly a, a concern as you move forward. It, it keeps coming back around. And I think that's the biggest thing to, to, to say about these clock issues and time management issues. They keep coming back around. There's something that you can prepare for, but until you do it in, in the heat of battle, it's uh, you know it's not something that you uh, can totally simulate in a, in a situation in practice. So that's on Franklin. That's on that 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 team of of guys that are giving him the analytics and giving him all that. Um, what was interesting about that is I didn't actually think that Clifford got the first down. Uh, before the spike. So uh, now it could have been worse. I don't know if you caught the end of the Syracuse game. They ended it on a uh, fourth down spike. Uh, unfortunately, Judge Culpepper's brother, uh, Rex, that's not idea, not an ideal finish for the Orange today. Um, but so it, it certainly could be worse. But uh, you want to see Did that. That really then, happened. That really happened. I, I know so you've been working. That, that, yeah. Well, last last time I've seen that happen, it happened with the my alma mater. So maybe that that now can be a Syracuse thing. Exercising the demons there. There you go. <laughs> um, and you're going to be at your alma mater next week and uh, as right. with Penn State. So, um, so yeah, you got to say that uh, clock management still an issue uh, very much so as Penn State. You know, if, you can't just leave those points out there. Um, good football team will take advantage of that and turn that back around on you. Michigan almost did so, uh, but not quite. The defense, you're still looking at a unit that uh, I think lacks speed, and I think that starts at the linebacker play. That's something where Michigan had a lot of success, and they got away from it, uh, to be honest with you, just from their play calling, running the ball up the middle, running at Ellis Brooks, running at Jesse Lucetta, um, really struggled with that. You know, you, you mixed and matched with linebackers a little bit this week, uh, maybe not as much as we thought uh, with, with Curtis Jacobs not being in there as much, but um, with, with the linebacker play is still a, a glaring issue on this team. You, you're going to take some with guys like Dixon, but there's certainly potential there to fly around and do some things. Uh, Dixon's another guy where you don't ask him to, uh, you know, you don't ask him to make the reads and everything. You know, do do all kinds of complicated things. You ask him to go get the football. You do that as a blitzer. You do that as a, you know, as as a guy that's trying to play the run. 
you're going to see some positive results. And we saw that with Lance Dixon today. Uh, penalties, uh, once again, just frustrating stuff. I mean, Jason O.A. jumping off sides twice. Uh, Shaka Tony doing it later in the game. Uh, we mentioned uh, they had one in the first half where Will Levis probably could have scored or, you know, made a good effort toward the end zone uh, or at least picked up the first down. So, these mental mistakes will kill you. I don't hold Shaka Tony's against him. I mean, that's a spur of the moment type thing, batting the ball forward versus batting it back into play. It's a, th- a thin line to walk and, you know, you can't really get on him for that. And then finally, you know, special teams. Uh, it's just been so much up and down this year. Jordan Stout did not have a great day, you know, as a punter. I think he averaged about 37 yards a punt as a kickoff guy, you know, put one or two out of bounds. And then of course missed that field goal. Forgettable day for him. Special teams as, as much of a strength as they were last year have kind of disappeared from that, uh, from that angle with his 2020 team. You talk about not getting really a, a spark plays from the defense. They were solid today. You don't really have any spark plays from the special teams return game, but you got one from the coverage unit today with with a big tip of the cap to Michigan's punt returner there. Uh, the ball ended up right in Drew Hartlob's hand, and, and like we predicted going in, we talked about this in the pregame show, Drew Hartlob, Isaac Lutz, really important for Penn State in this matchup at Michigan. Uh, and and that, was, that was cool to see. A well, well-earned moment for a guy at Hartlob who does a lot of his work behind the scenes. And, and uh, for, it, for the ball to pop into his hand like that, I'm sure the only thing he wishes is that he had a clear lane in front of him to sprint the rest of the way. Uh, but that, that set the stage for points. That was key. But Jordan Stout, it's the second time in three weeks this happened out in Nebraska, where in all three phases of what he's asked to do for Penn State, just wasn't getting the job done. I'm curious about this. It's not a question that came up in in the postgame, nor do I think it should have really been, but maybe something that will be reflected on a bit in the upcoming week. Jake Pinnegar, is he now like 45 and in? Because that was a 49-yard field goal. We've seen that be Pinnegar's job. Um, And then Stout's all 50 and beyond. That was not a good-looking 49-yard field goal. Missed badly wide right. And the two kickoffs out of bounds in the second half, Sean, led to opportunities for Michigan, which they were able to convert on. And this was a Michigan offense that really, really needed that short field over the course of today because they weren't able to manufacture a lot on their own. There was a moment there where I thought, this is where Penn State's going to, you know, are they going to fold up? Are they going to curl up in the fetal position and say 2020 is just not our year? After that Shaka Tony penalty for the batted ball, which looked like a huge play and ending up in the hands of Jason away giving Penn State possession with with a, with a two with a two score lead already you thought okay it's Michigan now with the first down and and it's this kind of rapid change that you have to comprehend emotionally and, and mentally if you're Penn State and going from a turnover to facing a first down they stepped up fourth and short Milton big bodied quarterback gets stuffed uh you know I thought that was a, a nice stand for them again there's a lot you can say about the Michigan offense and their shortcomings and uh but there's also you know we we, we have to point out that that Penn State had to stop them in those situations if they wanted us to be talking about them in, in the light of a victory today and they were able to do that and and ultimately uh the Penn State offense was able to to, to drive and 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 milk the clock and that turned to be the proving point, I think, the the defense not breaking after that call reversal because you could see maybe uh, getting, in these, getting in their heads and just having that self-doubt and saying 2020 is not our year and then some kind of back-breaking play delivered. I think that was also when McNamara went back to the sideline and Milton checked back in, so it was a weird moment for Michigan too, Sean. But I thought that stood out to me. It, it, it showed 
that this program was ready to maybe close close the book on Michigan, and I wasn't sure if they were ready to close the book on anybody this season. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think it was a great stand. Uh, it's just kind of the one that you, if you if you watch Penn State this year, you really didn't expect them to make, and that's uh, certainly a, a credit to to those guys that stepped up. I go back a little bit further. I'm most impressed with that drive when Michigan got to within three. They take it 12, 12 plays, seventy five yards, and a touchdown. I mean, there's not many candidates out there. Is that the best drive of the year? Very possible because that wins you that game. Then they roll it over. They do that four-minute offense where they run out the clock. So, I mean, you're looking at, uh, you know, I don't I, – I, I guess I kind of forget how the game flow got away, you know, but you look at what, what Michigan came out in the second half and tried to do. You know, you held them to three at, at the first part. You know, they did get the touchdown eventually, but you you've got – a second half that was fairly dominated by Penn State and, you know, it, not in the turnover category, not in the uh, overall category, but, you know, they closed it out when they had to do that. And that's certainly something that watching this team you wouldn't have expected. No doubt. And, and you know, Jake Pinnaker connects on a couple short field goals that that keeps you uh, maintaining things. And um, ultimately, Levis gives you that 10 point advantage with uh, with eight minutes left coming in as, as the goal line back. And that was that drive where you score with about eight minutes left in the game and you had that 10-point lead. And against Michigan, the way they've been clicking on offense or lack thereof, you feel pretty good about that 10-point advantage at that stage of the game. Those were those two third-down passes to Jahan Dotson. You had a 24-yard run from Kevon Lee that put him over 100 for the day. Um, and, you know, and by the time you got to, to the spot where you had a 10-point lead, you had to make this stop. Um, that was where Penn State made the fourth and one stop on the rush attempt, their own 37-yard line. That uh, was about 5.30 left in the game. And like you said, you give the ball back to the offense. You say, hey, can you keep our defense off the field? Can you go run some with Kevon Lee and get get us to the finish line? And they were able to do that. So the defense made the stand it needed to make. The the Penn State offense had the kind of uh, ensuing possession that it really required to keep that pressure off its defense. And that's the complimentary football, Sean, that we have not discussed very much here in 2020 on the postgame podcast. And going back to Kevon Lee real quick, I, I know we, we both have talked very highly about Devin Ford. Our thoughts go out to him because this is a, a family situation that popped up and we don't know where he is medically. But I think regardless of, of, of where Devin Ford is mentally, physically coming back, Kevon Lee has warranted a much longer look over this final stretch of the 2020 season. And he did so by holding on to the football. I mean, that's the thing that you worry about when you put those guys out there. It's it's keeping taking care of the football and it's pass protection. And, you know, obviously from what Penn State did, did today, I thought they played within their – uh, you know, played within their system, played within the potential of their system because, you know, Clifford obviously has has turned the ball over a couple of times, but you haven't asked too much of those freshman running backs because of that. Um, so I like what he was able to do. I think he did deserve or does deserve a bigger share moving forward. I think you, you got comfortable with with having him in there and, you know, he runs hard, he falls forward, he, he does a lot of the things that you asked Noah Kane to do. Uh, maybe doesn't have that same kind of burst, but at the same time, I mean, that's kind of the, the curve that we're grading on for everyone right now. You're not going to have everything that you thought you would in that 2020 season. Um, but you know, you've got, you've got it closing out on the road at Michigan and certainly something that you're going to take. So I agree with you a hundred percent. I think he, he should be back out there. I think his, his style kind of fits a little bit better with what they're asking, uh, you know, from the run game. And, and maybe that's a positive for Devin Ford because you could see Devin Ford fitting into that, that role that they asked Isaiah Holmes to play a little bit today with, uh, with, you know, catching the football out of the backfield. Uh, moving around a little bit and, and maybe not doing that as much inside zone. So um, thought it 
thought it was great. I uh, thought that that's kind of exactly what Penn State fans probably really wanted to see from a guy like uh, Kevon Lee. And I think, you know, Kevon Lee, by the way, going back to our scouting report in the offseason, is a kid that really hasn't lifted all that much. So I'm interested to see him get stronger um, as he continues to go. I think he can get faster as well. So certainly a lot of potential there. You're down to your fourth and fifth guys, but your fourth and fifth guys got you a win on the road at Michigan. I think you'll certainly take that. It's been a long time since Kevon Lee was told, hey, you're the guy for us at running back. And that's the way this one developed over the course of it. He earned more opportunities as the game progressed. And he didn't play his senior year of high school. He was not playing football last fall. So you've got to go back a couple years to where Kevon Lee was kind of a focal point offensive figure. And and he took that and ran with it today uh, at Michigan um, to the delight of Penn State fans. Uh, Sean, one other younger name I wanted to get to and, and you wanted to get to as well before we turn the page. Uh, we've we mentioned a lot of younger names. He's not a freshman, but I feel like Juice Scruggs is kind of a redshirt freshman. That's almost how I view him because he spent last year going through the process of getting back. He was a freshman in 18, got in one game last year, didn't play in any games, rehab process. We're starting to see more of him uh, over the course of this 2020 season. It's got to feel great for him and, 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 and for this coaching staff to see him out there. You look on our front page on Lions 24-7, there is Juice Scruggs jumping up and celebrating after Sean Clifford's go-ahead touchdown run in the second quarter. You think he's going to keep popping up more and more? Well, I mean, here's where we're at with Juice Scruggs. We came into the year celebrating that he would even be on that field, and that's in the past right now. That's something that you know is is fantastic in its own right. But at the same time, now you're talking about okay, can he seat one of the unseat one of these guards? And I think he has the potential to do so. I also think he's probably going to be your center next year, so you want to get him out there, get some experience. And he looked, you know, I, I haven't gone back and done this, the you know a second look at the uh, the offensive line, but every time you're out there, you're getting a big gain. You see number seventy out in front of you. You got to feel good about where you're where you stand from that. So I'm excited to see him continue his progress. Uh, obviously, he's not the player that you know. Uh, he's probably not at his physical capabilities of where we thought he could be um, before the accident. But at the same time, I mean, you're going to take what you can get. If this is a kid that can, you know, move into your lineup, he's still got freshman eligibility. He can move into your lineup and be there for a couple of years. I think that can certainly go a long way, especially at center or guard. So um, encouraged with what we've seen from Juice Scruggs. Uh, happy as hell to have him out there just to, just as a human element. Um, but to see him out there, to see him moving people is certainly a promising going forward. One other note that I didn't want to just let go, uh, Taquan Roberson. Didn't need, didn't see him on the field today, but we did see him in uniform. That was a change of pace from recent weeks when he was unavailable. James Franklin, again, taking some time this week to say that he has impressed off the field. They had hoped to have him available the last couple of weeks. He was. Clifford Levis did not give Kirk Shiraka and James Franklin a reason to go give that long look and the football over to their number three quarterback today. But it sounds like Taquan Roberson, whatever was ailing him, is no longer ailing him. And, and that may matter as we go forward with, with a few more games on the schedule. Rutgers is up next. Um, this is a win that you just have to imagine it'll feel great to go into a week. Uh, we, we already heard James Franklin say they're going to have their Monday dinner victory. And it may be the most delicious meal he ever has in his life. Uh, there's a lot of excitement, but I think it's really going to be the difference is going to be felt when you're reviewing film of a win, when you're doing self-criticism after a win, when when you can apply after a win to the end of all these things you've got to accomplish in the upcoming week. It just it's a nice change of pace for a Penn State team that needed a change of pace 
perhaps more than any other program in America. And you're not changing that number in the loss column. And, you know, it, it is, a, I guess, a wasted year or whatever. But, you know, if you can go out on a high note, it's certainly going to help uh, with recruiting. It's certainly going to help with uh, your team morale going into the into the offseason. Big Ten has been so fluky this year. Uh, sorry. Uh, I wasn't it, sure where you were going with the long <laughs> F because I, 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 I would have understood it. It has been really freaking crazy yeah it's, I, I caught myself there um but uh no it's been it's been just so crazy this year you're not sure when you turn around and move to the 2021 season how much you weigh the 2020 season into it and what you got but you know if you can i guess we talked about it last week with uh with trent gordon entering the portal if you can you know avoid that situation that you had a couple of years ago where you've got a, some sort of mass exodus you can f- get everybody back on the same page you can get everybody feeling good about themselves and winning will certainly help do that you're certainly making strides in the right direction. Now, don't want to get too high on a, on a win over a bad Michigan team, but it is a win in the Big Ten this year, which you know obviously has not been easy to come by for Penn State. It's on the road. It's at a place that you haven't had a ton of success with, and you've got a winnable schedule moving forward with Rutgers and Michigan State. So there is some sort of you know light at the end of the tunnel. You've got to carry this over. As I mentioned, Rutgers plays very hard. And that's, you know, it's part of where they're at talent wise, but it's part of where they're at coaching wise because those guys believe in Greg Schiano. Greg Schiano has already probably exceeded expectations. I don't know if you're the Rutgers alum. I, I think you're probably the more, the, the, the heavier barometer on that, but he's been able to get those guys to believe in what they're doing. Um, there's going to be trick plays. There's going to be some crazy stuff that's going to go on in, in Piscataway next week. Penn State, as the more talented team, should try to figure out how to handle all that kind of stuff. And as we mentioned, you know, try and keep themselves from overthinking it and getting them into into their own into a hole that they dig themselves. So very big game that next week in Piscataway. Don't know that I've ever said that too much uh, to begin with, but here we are. This is 2020. This is what happens. I had to get my last cheap shot in there as I see you looking around. Uh, but no, it's going to be very interesting to see how Penn State uh, can try to parlay this momentum that they they get from the win today. We'll talk about this again, but I, I remember the first big game opportunity in Piscataway when Penn State came to town. James Franklin's first Big Ten game, if member, uh, first Penn State game, if I uh, if memory serves me correct, in the conference, and it was uh, Rutgers' Big Ten debut, and it was a matchup that was really hanging in the balance. Christian Hackenberg, a sophomore at the time, ended up leading a late comeback, and from then on on further, it was downhill in this matchup for Rutgers versus Penn State. But uh, new sheriff, the old sheriff back in town there. It'll be an interesting matchup, more interesting than of late, uh, to talk about the Scarlet Knights and the Penn State Nittany Lions. And I, I think you're exactly right. Uh, stack up these wins late if you can. Build some momentum in whatever way you can, whether it's collectively as a team. That's very important. That's, that's going to matter for recruiting. But I think collectively in these positional units, when you look at a group with Phil Troutwine, when you look at the wide receiver group led by Taylor Stubblefield, John Scott, a defensive line coach, even some of your veterans, it's important to, to continue to develop momentum in each of those position rooms. You're starting to see some of that youth take off in some of these groups that doesn't really equate to good things for veterans in that room. But you got to focus in on your development right now for Penn State. I don't think it's about trying to get to the Cheez-It Bowl or the Belk Bowl or whatever bowl is left standing at the end of this thing. Uh, it is about you know going out of this season far better than, than the way you entered it. And this is a step in the right direction. And if you've been looking for a step in the right direction, you've been searching for a while. So take that, put it in your back pocket. 
uh, get those Thanksgiving leftovers, finish them off, and then another game week coming up. And we'll be back with two more episodes, uh, Sean and I, leading up to that Rutgers matchup. Of course, the post-game podcast next week as well. Uh, until then, plenty of content coming your way. Uh, Mark Brennan uh, did a great job with coverage in Ann Arbor today. Uh, a lot on Lions247.com. I encourage you to check out all of it. Uh, the post-game player conferences, the post-game uh, press conference with James Franklin, and, and a bunch of commentary as well. Uh, for now, on behalf of Sean Fitz, thanks as always for listening to the Lions 24-7 post-game podcast. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.